Truth News Network. A football quarterback takes a knee to thank the Lord and is excoriated for it. A football coach takes a knee on the field to give thanks and is fired. Firefighters at a Denny's bow their heads before a meal and are told you can't do that here. And a safety takes a hit on the field and just like that, it's okay to pray. Sometimes it takes a jolt to see the real truth and it takes a guide to understand it. Your guide today is Dan Newman. You think there's enough outrage in the nation today? Do you think there's enough bad stuff going on, stuff that we can't figure out? We don't, a lot of the stuff, know if it's good or bad. It just stinks. It smells funny. That's the world that we're having to find ways to live in, folks. We live in a world now where two plus two isn't always four. It depends on if you're woke or if you're one of those evil MAGA Republicans. Everything's got conditions. Nothing seems to be absolute. Well, there is one thing that is absolute. That's the truth. The truth is absolute. It doesn't matter what we think, what our perception is. If something is truthful, it's pure. And nobody can change that. You can try to manipulate it. You can tell different stories or different versions about what it is, but it's still going to be what it is, the truth. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to a Friday edition of TNN Live. We're so glad to be here with you today. We've had a big week. Across the nation, we've had a big week, and it's still turning in to be bigger. There are a lot of things we're going to get into today. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to just relax for just a couple of minutes. Just a couple of minutes. Maybe grab another cup of coffee. And we're going to really do it right today. Master, upon my knees I pray 
prayer song. How about that? And who would have thought that a contemporary artist that's not a Christian artist would write a song like that and sing a song like that? Let me just tell you this. We don't ever really know everything that's going on in people's lives. You look at them, you hear them, you maybe read some of the stuff they said, you see them in a movie or on an award show, And you draw these conclusions about these people. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I'm no different from you in that regard. But listen, everybody, everybody has a right to find a way to make themselves better. I don't care where you are. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've even done. I know that there are are at least two prisons in the U.S. that stream this show in every day. And let me tell you, if any of these prisons have prisoners listening to us today, let me say something to the prisoners, and for that matter, all of us. God will find you. He's knocking on your door all the time. Why wait until a horrible calamity happens in your life? Go ahead. Go ahead, build a relationship with God. Find a way. Turn to the Bible. That's the roadmap we all have to 
uh, go to to point ourselves in the right direction. And it's not about do and do and don't do and don't do. It's about being. Be who God created you to be. And we could launch a discussion right here into the sex stuff and transsexual and sexual identity and all those kinds of things. Those are just terms that have been manipulated by people. They're not based in science. We're told in one area of our lives, oh, you got to find the science and follow the science. I am the science, says Dr. Anthony Fauci. But then when you really want to talk about science, oh my gosh, they'll shut you down. They'll censor you. They'll kick you off of Twitter. You can't do any Facebook stuff. Why? Because you're not saying the politically correct things about sex. I'm going to tell you this. There's only one thing that determines what a person's sex is. And it's not the organs. It's not getting drugged up and having all kinds of surgeries. That doesn't change a thing. Our chromosomes are the sole arbiters of our sex, and you can't change people's chromosomes. So why try? Why try? Why not just do something that may seem so simple and so easy that it can't possibly be true? Just be who you are. Forget about the sexuality part of it. Just be who you are biologically, accept it, and then begin to build a life based on that, and don't let other people tell you who you are. That doesn't matter what anybody else says. It does not matter what you say, what you think, what you feel. It's your life. It's your life. Try to make decisions as much as you possibly can, based on factual evidence that you can look, see, touch, and feel, and know you're doing the right thing. Sometimes we all have to make a decision to do something and move forward in trust and faith. Who is going to be trusted to give you that little mustard seed of faith to do the right thing? It's not going to be a woke individual in your life. It's not going to be a politically correct politician that is making decisions and telling us to make our decisions based on a political partisan hack theory. That's not going to work. Trust who God made you to be and then find the path to do the right things and be the right person. I'm going to tell you this before we get started. We're living in a world where that is not the foundation of our leaders, many of our leaders. It's just not. It's all about one thing or it's about this other thing. It's never about doing the right thing all the time. What are the right things to do? In the United States of America, the right things to do are to obey the laws that our representatives have put in place for us to follow. What a novel idea. Why not just begin right there? Do you know how much of your trouble 
you would have never been in or walked into or walking through if you had just done the right thing at the beginning. And unfortunately for all of us, everything is a seed that we plant in our lives. And whatever seeds we put in the ground, that's what's going to grow. That's what's going to grow every time. So if you, on your life's path, find today yourself in a really tough spot, look backwards. What happened that led you to where you are today? Where did you miss it? Maybe a bad choice, maybe a bad decision, a wrong turn. You turn left when you should have turned right. You turn right when you should have turned left. Hindsight's always 20-20. Learn from it and then just put push forward. Before we get cranking, let me just tell you this. I don't know if you've heard about this, but there's a, an amazing revival going on at one college on the East Coast. And when I say a revival, it's a Christian school. And uh, in chapel service, one day, this fantastic, peaceful spirit just walked into that church, that chapel on campus. And everybody that, that was there felt it. And it was a draw to pray and to pray about a personal relationship with Jesus. And we all know what church services are and masses are. We, we, we all know that. This is not that. This is prayer, continual prayer. It's been going on for days now, around the clock. People are going in from all across the United States and even from other countries. It's a spirit of godliness and a pull, a tug to get into a relationship with Jesus. Have you made that trip yet? I'm not talking about going up to the East Coast to a Christian school. I'm not talking that being the trip. Have you made the trip to open the door to a personal relationship with the Son of God? Just asking. If you haven't, it's not a complicated thing. It begins with prayer and telling God you want to have a personal relationship with him through his son, Jesus, and ask Jesus to forgive you for your sins. That's the beginning. That's the start of everything. I can tell you this, looking in my rearview mirror, very early on in my life, I was in a Christian family. I was in church, gosh, just a couple of weeks after I was born. I go to church all the time now. I'm very active in our local church. And it's not because of an obligation or anything like that. It's because I formed a relationship with God. I pray, I speak to God. Yeah, I've made some bad choices in my life and I've lived through the seeds that I've sown. Most of the choices I made and the seeds I planted, thankfully, turned out great. But even when I boo-booed, even when I made a stupid decision, a bad choice about something, I've always been able to just close my eyes afterwards, sometimes in the middle of it, and saying, God, I'm sorry. I know what I did, what I said caused this. Please forgive me. And when you get in that relationship with God, it's, it's in some ways 
Just like being in a relationship, husband with wife, wife with husband. You know each other. You've been with each other for at least a period of time. And you know what our tendencies are as husbands. And we husbands know what the tendencies are in our wives. So when one of us, husband or wife, messes up, a child messes up, instead of just going bonkers and damning them to hell, talk to them. Sit down with each other and talk it through and then pray together. You can get through an obstacle. You can get through a traumatic experience if you form that relationship with God and let it grow. How do I know that? I've done it, and I'm doing it right now. Still doing it right now. Everything we're going to talk about on the show today can be tied somehow right back into what we are just now talking about. A relationship with God. A relationship with God. We have a lot of things to talk about. Our president, southern border crap. Oh my gosh. And just everyday things. Trauma, horrors, lies, cheating, government overreach. That's the world we find us in. And yes, God's right in the middle of every bit of it. We have a lot of things we want you to hear this morning. And uh, a lot of that has to do with the stuff in our lives. The stuff in our lives that's just stuff. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You can't put your finger on it. You can't. It's just, hey, here it is. <laughs> here it is. I don't know what it is. I got to find a way to work through it. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to work through it. Where are we going to go to get started this morning? Well, Joe, Uncle Joe, President Joe Biden, he is constantly now defending himself about his ties with China and his not being tough on China. It would be wonderful if China wasn't really a foreign foe, but they are. They are. So yesterday, Joe was asked some press, some questions about his being compromised by his family's business dealings in China. And this was at a press conference yesterday. And the conference was about those unidentified flying objects and the Chinese spy balloon that was shot down a couple of weeks ago. Questioned by a reporter, are you compromised by your family's business relations in China. Give me a break, man, Biden said. Didn't deny the question. The question is the second question Biden has suffered recently about his family's shady business deals. Those business deals, folks, we know it. We have facts to prove it. Span 12 countries, 12 countries over the course of his career as a U.S. official as a senator, a vice president, and now president. Last week, Joe was asked in a sit-down interview with PBS about the Republicans' investigations into his family's business schemes. And Biden answered, the public isn't, the republic is not going to pay attention 
to the nine GOP probes into his family, such as money laundering, wire fraud, and tax evasion. So the questions, they speak about a new communications problem for the Biden team. The establishment media, which is supposed to be in their pocket, has started to ask more questions about the Biden family syndicate's business schemes since the Republicans got control of the House, and specifically that oversight and judiciary committees. House Republicans are investigating the family business, and they're doing so one way in requesting bank records and communications from Hunter and James. James or Jim is President Biden's younger brother. They want to find out if Joe Biden is compromised. Hunter has refused the request. James has apparently not even responded. That's causing House Oversight Committee Chair Jim Comer to threaten subpoenas. He said yesterday, we can't fully understand the extent of what these laws need to be until we know the exact amount of money that the Biden family took in, including from the sources. He noted, Comer did, that the family has made at least tens of millions of dollars for many business deals spanning at least 12 separate nations through the years. And that includes when Joe Biden was vice president. The Democrats have been complaining about influence peddling. The Biden family has obviously been influence peddling itself, so we need to define what is influence peddling. We need to make stricter ethics law. We need to increase disclosure laws for family members doing business overseas with our adversaries while they have a relative that serves in the White House. That's Jim Comer yesterday. Hunter's business stuff, I got to be honest with you. We, we know about it all, pretty much all of it. According to his own laptop called the laptop from hell, one email shows a proposed percentage distribution of equity, that's ownership in a company created for a joint venture with CEFC China Energy Company and Hunter's former business partner, Tony Bobolinsky, the Biden family, and high-ranking members of the Chinese Communist Party. Sent That email was sent on March 13, 2017. The proposed business venture included 10 held by H., For the big guy, H is Hunter, the big guy is Joe Biden. Bobolinsky, by the way, confirmed the big guy was a reference to Joe Biden. James, Joe's older brother, and Frank, Joe's younger brother, have also engaged in influence peddling. Frank Biden has admitted he did so while Biden was president. And and by the way, CNN reported that one first. And on Tuesday, reports surfaced that James Biden secretly negotiated a $140 million settlement deal in 2012 between a U.S. company and the Saudi Arabian government and did so because of his relationship with then-Vice President Joe Biden. So all of this has been out there for a long time. Democrats wouldn't touch it. No investigations, no checking in on it. And then these little tidbits of information just started flying into the United States from everywhere. Corruption, influence peddling. 
It's hard for me to fathom how anybody in any political party could just be okay with any of this and let it happen. How do you do that if you're a servant of the people of the United States? How can you let that happen? It's beyond me. It's ridiculous. What kind of people do we have leading us in Congress? They have the sole authority to oversee every branch of the government and make sure all of the players in there are not breaking laws. And by the way, one of the things they're supposed to do is ensure that everybody that's in there, they're abiding by the law. And Democrats for too long have just thumbed their noses at the Constitution and the rule of all. Yet they scream and holler, these MAGA Republicans, these Republicans that are in Congress, they're just trampling all over our democracy. That's their favorite escape to try to shut down any conversation. When, in actuality, that's what they've been doing for years. They don't want the president to enforce laws. They don't want the Secretary of the Homeland Security to enforce laws. They don't want law enforcement across the nation to enforce the laws in those cities. The defund police movement has just destroyed many cities in our nation, the infrastructure, because to be woke, to be aligned with the people that have all the goodness and the virtue in the nation, which would be everybody on the left, nobody on the right. You want to be like them, so you defund your police. And crime just goes crazy through the roof in your town, city, state, big cities, small cities. Why? Because the cops aren't getting paid appropriately, Their leaders are not holding criminals accountable when they go out and arrest them and bring them in. Violent crime is going through the roof, and they wonder why. The fundamental that makes democracy work is the rule of law. And the law in the United States of America says you are committing a crime if you step foot in this nation and you're not authorized legally to do so, period. You're breaking the law when you peddle or even have in your possession illegal drugs. And yet this president is letting illegal drugs flood across our southern border that include fentanyl, which has, we know of, come into the United States in sufficient power and number to kill every American three times over. And yet this president won't enforce the law. Alejandro Mayorkas, Homeland Security Secretary, won't enforce the law. While the Bidens are out there building a financial empire by peddling the influence, hey, we can get you a conversation with the President of the United States now, who was Vice President of the United States and was one of the longest-serving members of the U.S. Senate. That's my dad. That's my brother. That's my uncle. We can give you access to the White House. 
That, my friends, is influence peddling. And it is illegal. And it's happening again and again and again and again. Meanwhile, in the United States of America, we have hot spots that need attention. And this administration refuses to do it. Where's the obvious one now? It's on the border of Ohio and Pennsylvania. East Palestine, Ohio. Train derailment. Three weeks ago. We didn't hear the first thing about it until 10 days ago. Why is that? Why would we not hear about that? Well, our news was covered with Balloon Gate and DocuGate. Nobody could get to the root of everyday problems for Americans like people in East Palestine can't even drink good water. They're afraid to breathe. The governors of both states, Ohio and Pennsylvania, made a decision, a joint decision, as this trail derail, uh, train derailed and all these chemicals, dangerous ca- uh, chemicals, were spilling out over the ground. They made a determination to set it on fire, which would make it safer. And they knew it was going to explode at one time or another, but making the fire and causing controlled explosions would be better. Meanwhile, fish are dying. Birds are dying. Chickens are dying. People are feeling horrible, breathing. No drinking water that's clear, natural. You would think any president of the United States would be all over it. But this president isn't. And by the way, he has a secretary of transportation. You would think that problems with the rail system would fall in the purview of the U.S. Secretary of Transportation. That would be Pete Buttigieg. Mayor Pete hadn't even been down to check on that. He's made some comments. He's gone on air. But he's never acted like or talked like it's really any big deal. And he's even got people on the left staggering because they can't believe he's so feckless at handling this. Okay, look who's back. Congressman Dusty Johnson from House Transportation. This news coming in this hour. Congressman, we'd like a reaction to Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg on camera now downplaying the toxic oil rails disaster by comparing it to other derailments. Watch this. Look, rail safety is something that uh, uh, that has evolved a lot over the years, but there's clearly more that needs to be done because uh, while this uh, horrible situation ha- has gotten a particularly high amount of attention, there are roughly 1,000 cases a year of a train derailing. Your reaction, Congressman? I don't think any of us should do anything to downplay this situation. The reality is the people of East Palestine continue to have serious health problems. There are animals in the area that are having uh, serious health problems. This is not like every other train derailment. And the reality is we need uh, Secretary Buttigieg and others to communicate in a way that lets everybody know that this is being taken seriously. 
I think there's four things we've got to do uh, in the intermediate term here, in the immediate and long term, to get these uh, to make sure we've got good communication out there. Number one, the administration needs to step up and seem more in control. You just think about Ron DeSantis and and the hurricanes that came through Florida. People felt better because he was sharing what he knew. Then we've got to have the NTSB, National Transportation Safety Board, and Congress hold hearings to get to the bottom of this. So it comes, Pete Buttigieg's comments today, it comes right as FEMA under this White House is now denying Ohio emergency disaster relief, saying this catastrophic toxic train derailment in East Palestine does not qualify. Your take on that, Congressman? Well, obviously, details are still coming out. I want to better understand what in the world they used to defend this decision on its face. I think it's hard to stomach. This is not like every other train derailment. This is a serious problem. And I think we need adults in the room to step up and make sure we've got all hands on deck uh, to take care of this. This is the second Norfolk Southern derailment with hazardous materials in the last two weeks. What in the world is going on? So Pete Buttigieg basically insults East Palestine, comparing their Ohio toxic train crash to a thousand other train derailments. And then he's blaming Trump about stopping a safety rule for electronically controlled pneumatic brakes. But there's no indication Pete Buttigieg is fighting to reinstate that rule. This is a 2000, you know about this, the 2015 rule. It was fought over in court. National Academy of Sciences said there was not enough data. And the GAO said there's not enough data to support this breaking rule. But people are saying it should be reinstated. Where do you come down on that? I think rather than pointing fingers, what we want to do right now is, again, communicate what's going on, make sure everybody understands that, uh, you know, this is under control. But I would also say, Liz, you know, P Secretary Buttigieg saying, oh, there are a thousand of these. That makes people think that rail transport is not safe. That, that's not accurate. I mean, we want to put this into context. This is rare. Thank goodness this kind of accident with this kind of hazardous material is rare. Uh, the fact that we want to try to blame the previous administration or make it seem like this happens every day or every week, that is a problem. So Pete Buttigieg declined an invitation from Ohio Congressman Bill Johnson to a town hall last night in East Palestine, Ohio. The secretary has not visited the site of this toxic train derailment. He's not been to any of the more than 1,000 rail crashes last year and the year before. We checked. He may have been to some, but we, we didn't detect it. He instead waited a week and a half to only tweet his, quote, concern about what's going on in Ohio. Let's get your reaction to residents in Palestine and their take. Watch this. Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg is blaming Trump for this. That's ridiculous. How can you blame Trump for what's happening here? It's nobody's fault but Norfolk Southern. It's absurd. Um, only, only, only Pistol Pete could be that absurd. Trump hasn't been there for three years. <laughs> I mean, how can you blame somebody that hasn't been on the switch for three years? step up, it's time to step down. That was the Attorney General of Ohio. Congressman, 
The mayor of East Palestine just said they have only heard from the White House yesterday. Is Pete Buttigieg a textbook case for why former military, maybe West Point grads, should run transportation FAA? I have seen leaders respond to terrible problems, uh, natural disasters, man-made disasters. And Liz, it seems to me that the two most important commandments for those leaders, number one, get boots on the ground, and then number two, over-communicate the situational awareness. I mentioned Ron DeSantis earlier. We saw that uh, during the hurricanes, he did that. He over-communicated and he got boots on the ground. He was there. If Secretary Buttigieg asked me for uh, my advice, I would tell him, you've got to get there and you've got to make sure people have the information about what you're doing and what's going to happen next. But he's not going. Why isn't he going? Well, I don't know exactly what's going on in his schedule. It's a little hard to imagine that there's something he's doing today that is more important than that. Okay. Uh, I, I think he's making a big mistake. Got it. Congressman Johnson, thanks for joining us tonight. It's good to see you. No question about it. He's making a big mistake. People, not just in that little town, and I don't ever understand how you pronounce it, if, if it's appropriate to say Palestine or Palestine. Anyway, East Palestine, Ohio, the people there, they need not just answers. They need the government to step in. Now, the president was asked to declare it an emergency, a state of emergency. That would help get some money, some financial support, some other experts on the ground there to help the people out. And Joe Biden denied doing it, saying that's not a natural disaster. So that's the fault of the people in that town, right? Because it wasn't a tornado or a hurricane or a fire. (laughs) It was a train wreck. And those people aren't responsible for that rail that runs through their town. They're not responsible for that. Now, somebody might say, well, the federal government isn't either. Government is made to be of the people, for the people. I cannot believe Joe Biden had the crass to say no to that. It makes absolutely no sense to me. So Tucker Carlson of Fox News, boy, he went crazy. He grabbed a hold of the nuts and the craziness and the lack of leadership, the hypocrisy of the Biden administration regarding this thing how the derailment is impacting everybody in that small town. And Tucker just went crazy. East Palestine is overwhelmingly white and it's politically conservative. More than 70% of the voters in the surrounding county supported Donald Trump in the last election. That shouldn't be relevant, but as you're about to hear, it very much is. 11 days ago, a 150 car train derailed in East Palestine and when it did, it spewed poisonous chemicals onto the ground and into the surface waters. After the crash, the Ohio State EPA found evidence of butyl acrylate in the Ohio River, as well as in the creeks and streams that feed it. Now, this was a concern for more than simply East Palestine, given that the Ohio River supplies drinking water to about a tenth of the entire U.S. population. So this train derailment was an environmental disaster, not an environmental disaster like climate change is, but an actual environmental disaster. 
Okay, so this is serious stuff. 10% of drinking water to Americans, right? You can look at all the videos of the dead fish and the dead frogs and the dead birds and other animals and the chickens dying on top of the fact that we already have this national issue with chickens not laying eggs. We haven't covered that yet, but that's another one right now uh, that's really bizarre. Uh, and then the EPA shows up. Now you would think we have this whole movement in America and, and seemingly a global movement that endlessly cares about the environment, right? You should not turn lights on. You should not drive this car. You shouldn't cook your eggs on that stove. And they're always screaming about it. But for some reason with this thing, these toxic chemicals in our water, this unbelievable, I mean, these fires and the plume of smoke, we're gonna show you another image on that, that looks like an atom bomb was dropped there. There, they're being awfully quiet on this. Uh, here's a little bit more from Tucker. We basically nuked a town with chemicals. So then representatives from the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, arrived to restore calm. Yes, an EPA spokesman explained, chemicals from the derailed train did enter the local watershed. And yes, they did kill fish. But the drinking water supply remains totally safe. The fish are dead. But go ahead and fill your thermos and brew some coffee. Everything's fine. Now, we don't know if the locals in East Palestine are drinking the water tonight, but we can tell you the Biden administration doesn't seem too concerned about it either way. Donald Trump got over 71% of the vote in the county in the last presidential election. That's not exactly the Democratic Party's core demographic. Fentanyl, toxic waste spill, whatever. They're not our voters. Do you think that the fact that both of those states supported Trump in the 2020 election. You don't think that the Biden administration would be not acting to help because of that? Kind of like you evil people in Ohio and Pennsylvania. How dare you vote for Donald Trump to be president? We're going to teach you a lesson. You're going to have to live in that swill and deal with it yourself federal government, we hope you work it out. Good luck. And anything we can do short of coming in and doing what we're supposed to do, we'll do it if and when we think it's woke enough for us to be a part of. This is the nation, the United States of America. This is the team that the Americans elected in 2020 to serve the people. And they're refusing to do that. Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for the $3.99 six-inch sub of the day. How do you want it? Secret DJ set. At a retirement home? Weird. I like it. DJ sandwich in the house. What do you say? Italian BMT $3.99. I call the EMT. Turkey breast $3.99. How much? $3.99. $3.99. Bingo! Time of participating shops. Prices and subs included may vary. Additional charge for extras plus tax. No additional discounts or coupons applied. We're outside Pilgrim Furniture and Mattress City where parents are disappearing. Excuse me, are your parents in there? Yeah. They can't decide if they should take no interest for 60 months with no money down or an extra $100 off every $9.99 they spend. It's a tough choice. But they've been in there for six hours. 
I want dinner. Parents, if you're a pilgrim, please make a decision. Here's good news. Even with high unemployment, there's still a need for hundreds of thousands of cybersecurity professionals in the U.S. right now. And my computer career is training people to help meet the demand. No IT experience? No problem. Take the free career evaluation today at mycomputercareer.edu. Start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Grants covering up to 53% of the cost are available to those who qualify. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. Those in the know like to stay in the realm of innovation. Join them. It's easy to keep up with the latest trends and own the latest tech with BMW Select as it offers you the option to drive a brand new BMW every three years. You also get to tailor your deal to suit your pocket and your lifestyle. Visit select.bmw.co.za for more. BMW Select. Dynamic finance for ultimate control. BMW Financial Services is an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply. Partisan spin? Not here. Identity politics? Go somewhere else. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. Here's Dan Newman. Did you hear? The news is out. Our 80-year-old Joe Biden president has been deemed to be fit for duty. His doctor said, how about that? White House physician, Kevin O'Connor, he gave us a summary of the health exam that the president remains fit for duty, fully executes all of his responsibilities without any exemptions or accommodations. One small lesion on the president's chest was excised today and sent for traditional biopsy, O'Connor said. What else was in it? Well, said the president does not appear to be experiencing symptoms associated with long COVID and that his stiff gait has not worsened since his November 2021 exam. During that physical, the president had several small skin growths removed from his face and head, and they used liquid nitrogen. So here's how Reuters wrote up the story on the president's exam. Quote, The exam was closely watched as Biden prepares for his expected run for a second term in 2024. The medical summary said Biden didn't have any long COVID symptoms and that his stiff gait has not worsened since his last exam in November of 2021. Wait a minute, that's three years. Hmm. Biden takes the statin Crestor to keep his cholesterol levels low, an anticoagulant in response to atrial fibrillation that remains asymptomatic and medication to treaty seasonal allergies and acid reflux. The summary found that Biden's weight has dropped six pounds from 184 to 178. That's in the last three years. His body mass index was at 24.1 compared to 25.0 in 2021. His blood pressure was at 126 over 78 compared to 120 over 70 in 2021. Now here's the line that just frosts everybody in the nation. Quote, the exam did not include a cognitive test for the president. Cognition has increasingly become a cause for concern among Democrats, how about that, and Republicans, 
as the president approaches announcing his 2024 candidacy. Now, let me ask you this. That I just gave you the whole thing. That's what they did. That's what they said. Hey, hey, hey. Do you remember when Donald Trump was in the White House every year, over four years, when his medical report came out? Everybody just ripped them apart, called them fixed, lies, gross misrepresentation, because there's something wrong with this guy. He wouldn't ever say the things that he says or do the things that he that he's doing. There's got to be something wrong with him. Oh, look. Look at this short video. He was at uh, the military academy, West Point. And he's walking down a ramp after he spoke, and he had to grab the banister because he couldn't keep his balance. There's something wrong with him. You remember that one? They didn't bother to tell you that it had been raining and that there was an ice buildup on that ramp he was walking down, and it was slippery. (laughs) They went after Donald Trump for everything. And here's a guy that obviously has got Pretty serious cognitive decline. Anybody that has watched him progressively through the last, especially two decades, Joe Biden isn't close to being Joe Biden from even five years ago. And yet, they've got him propped up. He's okay. He's ready to go. It's all about political advantage and perspective, isn't it? So the left has propped up Joe Biden, hoping and praying every day he makes it to the end of this term. And then there's Democrat Pennsylvania Senator John Fetterman. John Fetterman had a stroke, one that we know about, during his campaign to run for Senate seat in Pennsylvania. Nobody could believe because of his cognitive decline, his obvious physical disabilities that he was dealing with. There's no way he should have run for the Senate. And certainly nobody thought the people of Pennsylvania would elect him, but they did. And so he is having problems that sent him to the hospital. Last night, Senator John Fetterman checked himself into Walter Reed National Military Medical Center to receive treatment for clinical depression. Now, this is not the one that sent him to the hospital the other day. We thought he had a stroke. While John has experienced depression off and on throughout his life, it only became severe in recent weeks. Now, that's a little odd. That came from the Chief of Staff, Adam Gentleson. There's something going on. Listen, he shouldn't have been elected. He shouldn't have been running for the Senate. He shouldn't have been elected. I promise you, he and his wife, his senatorial campaign staff, they lied to the American people. They lied to Pennsylvanians. They didn't come clean and tell everybody exactly what's going on. And we find out he has problems speaking. He has problems gathering thoughts together. 
he had a stroke. Most of the time when someone has a real loaded stroke, it has long-lasting effects. This guy, he has to have special equipment at the desk he sits at during a session of the Senate to help him understand what people are saying from the floor. And now he's in the hospital for clinical depression. He was a lieutenant governor in Pennsylvania. He was a mayor of a small town. He's a U.S. senator now, and he can't work. This is just months after he was elected. So we got Joe Biden in the White House, obvious, serious cognitive decline. Even Democrats are saying it isn't right. There's something medically going on there. It's very obvious. That's about the president. Look at Fetterman. His situation's even worse. But yet, you know what? They got Joe Biden in the White House. They'll prop him up and use him as long as they can. And they got John Fetterman in the Senate, and all he represented and all they wanted him to be there for was that 51st vote in the Senate to stop those evil Republicans from overturning our democracy. Yep, here we are. Having fun, aren't we? Meanwhile, over at CNN, that former great nighttime host, Don Lamont, Don Lamont got booted off the primetime nighttime because his ratings sucked. And now he's on the morning show. And they're averaging about 300,000 people watching that morning show. Now put that in perspective. Fox and Friends every morning has got always between a million and a half and two million viewers. 300,000. I'll just tell you, some days this show beats that. Hmm. And that's a national cable news. Well, he's in deep trouble. And he's in deep trouble today because of what he said about Nikki Haley. Listen for yourself. Nikki Haley, who plans to run against President Trump and or President Biden, says if you're ever over 75 years old, you're going to have to pass some tests. Well, over at CNN, Don Lemon didn't like that. And Don Lemon, who says Nikki Haley, who's 50, she said she's the one who's past her prime. This whole talk about age makes me uncomfortable. I think that I think it's the wrong road to go down. She says people, you know, politicians or something are not in their prime. Nikki Haley isn't in her prime. Sorry. When a woman is considered to be in her prime in her 20s and 30s and maybe 40s. What do you that's talk- not acor- Wait. I, that's not according to me. Prime for what? I, it depends. I mean, it's just like prime. If you look it up, it'll say, if you look, if you Google when is a woman in her prime, it'll say 20s, 30s and 40s. I don't necessarily. 40s. Oh, I got another I'm not decade. saying I agree with that. So I think she has to be careful about saying that, well, you know, politicians aren't in their prime. You need to need qualify. To are you talking about prime for like child bearing or are you talking about prime for being president? What the facts are. Google it. Kaylee McEnany is the former White House press secretary and outnumbered co-host. Kaylee, you got to just Google it, right? Just Google it. 
Right. Uh, you know, Jesse, I have a family right upstairs. I have two kids right upstairs. In fact, as I was walking down here, I smelled cookies baking. My point being, I'm here with you and not upstairs with my family because according to Don Lemon, I'm in my prime. I'm in my 30s, man, and I've only got a few more years left. So here I am with you. Uh, but what's interesting is what Don Lemon did was the biggest self-own ever because we all know Don Lemon doesn't like Donald Trump. So presumably he liked Hillary Clinton, who at the time when she ran for president was in her late 60s. Uh, we know he doesn't like Kevin McCarthy, so he must like Nancy Pelosi, late 70s, when she took that role as speaker the second time. I mean, we could go on and on. Kamala Harris, late 50s, but we won't. Because what is creepy to me, Jesse, who Googles when is a woman in her prime? I mean, your office is next to mine at Fox, and I assume your show prep doesn't consist of you in your office Googling when a woman is in her prime. Don Lemon at CNN, here you go. I mean, I'm just surprised Don does research. I am too, because you wouldn't get that from his sentence. But you know what? The scariest thing is Don Lemon's search history. <laughs> That's a road you don't want to go down. All right, Kaylee, who's... Exactly. Has, I mean, I think you haven't even hit your prime, Kaylee. So... Take that to the bank. I would hope not. And I didn't even have to Google that. That's how I know. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it, Jesse. That's two people I like, Jesse Waters and Kaylee McEnany. Um, substantive. Not one of those groups or people part of any throwing rocks at anybody with who they have a political disagreement. But they can laugh about stuff like that. That's a good thing. I think often we're too serious about stuff going on in our world now. I'm not saying don't be serious, don't get serious. But there's a lot of people that are really concerned about President Biden. Rumors swirling. And Biden's about to launch a re-election campaign. He's going to do it, folks. And they're scared to death because he's their choice of leadership. Now, wait just a second. Look who's possibly in the wings for the Democrat Party for a run for president in 2024. Remember last time? How many candidates were there? 18, 20, 23. There was a bunch of them that were out there. And there were some good choices that numbered among those, in my opinion. But they narrowed it down to one that had the name recognition and they felt like they could prop up and he could at least give them four years. That was Joe Biden. Now, who do they have to prop up now? Darren from California. Who else is there? Think about it. Pete Buttigieg? I don't think so. Kamala Harris? Oh, my gosh. If the left turns on Joe Biden for the reelection bid, if they turn on him, Gavin is really the only option out there, and he's dead in the water. Look at what he's done as governor of California. He has really destroyed the infrastructure there, and money is just bleeding everywhere out of California's government coffers. He can't do it. They may have to prop Joe up to run, and he won't win. Right now, he's the oldest president in history at age 80. 
And he would remain so if he won, even if he did in 2024. If he wins for re-election and wins, he will be 86 years old by the end of a second term. Now many, even in the Democrat apparatus, they're privately worried that the party is dismissing the dilemma and looking ahead to the nomination. To many top Democrat operatives and officials looking ahead, Biden's age is the top issue of his re-election campaign. Now, he's pushed back on those claims. In October, he vowed that his mental ability and physical energy are perfectly fine. I'm in good health, he said. All my everything physically about me is still functioning well. I just quoted him. All my everything physically about me is still functioning well. So you know, and mentally too. But not every Democrat lawmaker agrees. Here we go. This is the people, the group that put him in office. According to Politico, Democrats are worried about Biden's ability to win re-election and lead the Democrat Party to victory. Nobody wants to be the one to do something that would undermine the chances of a Democrat victory in 2024. That came from Dean Phillips, Democrat representative from Minnesota. Yet in quiet rooms, the conversation is just the opposite. We could be at a higher risk if this path is cleared. One other lawmaker explained Biden should celebrate defeating former President Trump in 2020 and right off into the sunset with a so-called moral victory. Those concerns of these lawmakers are echoed by focus groups, polling, where CNN reported Biden's age is constantly brought up. Recent polling supports CNN's report. 64% of independents. Now, this is the group that elects everybody, independents. 64% of them doubt Biden's mental fitness, along with 80% of Republicans, 27% of Democrats. Overall, 58% said they doubt Joe Biden's mental acuity. His acuity. He's got issues. <laughs> that, my friends, he really does have. So, Senator Ted Cruz, he took to Twitter yesterday to criticize Biden for ordering an F-22 fighter jet to shoot down what may have been a hobby club's science project and that's the one that was shot down off the coast of Alaska earlier last week. Now, this is kind of comical, but it may be true. Listen to this. Ted Cruz of Texas, he joked that Biden's decision to authorize a $200 million fighter jet to use a $400,000 missile to shoot down what may have been a $12 balloon that may be literally what happened as a powerful deterrence to high school students interested in creating their own at-home science balloons. <laughs> Listen to this. There is 
an Illinois-based hobbyist club, and they said their balloon, a Pico balloon that was floating off the west coast of Alaska, it went missing the same day that a Lockheed Martin jet shot down one of those unidentified objects matching its description. (laughs) He may have successfully killed that balloon of that hobby club. To be fair, Biden is providing powerful deterrence for any high school science clubs that might try to invade America. Maybe, maybe that's just why they're not telling us anything because they don't know what's there, but they do know that they killed that balloon (laughs) and it only cost a $200 million jet. Now, to be fair, the jet's still flying. It didn't have any problems, but oh boy, that missile, that half a million, almost half a million dollar missile, it just very effectively blasted that evil balloon out of the sky over Alaska. It's stupid stuff, folks. I get that. But this administration is full of stupid stuff. And everything they seem to try, it stinks. It fails. And it makes them look bad. But they're doubling down on that. They just keep on going, doing the same stuff. Speaking the truth, the left doesn't want you to hear. TNN, the Truth News Network. I know I should quit smoking, but it's just... (sighs) My feet and hands are numb a lot. Walking to the bathroom gets me winded. (coughs) I cough all the time. Seriously? (sighs) I've been dying to quit. Don't wait till you're dying to call. When your health is worse, it will be too late. 1-866-QUIT-YES. The Illinois Department of Public Health and the American Lung Association in Illinois. QuitYes.org. Grab an ice-cold can of Celsius and stay active and energized all day. Celsius is better for you energy, made with premium ingredients, zero sugar, and seven essential vitamins, with no high-fructose corn syrup, no aspartame, no preservatives, and no artificial colors or flavors. Celsius is just the essential energy you need to keep you fueled and active all day. Celsius, essential energy, live fit. Now find Celsius at Celsius.com or a retailer near you. Well, look, we talked about the stuff that's happening that is horrible. It's against the law. Nobody's being held accountable by the Biden administration for it. Mayorkas is the chief culprit in all of this, Homeland Security Secretary. And Kevin McCarthy, the new House Speaker, he started early this week to build the case for impeachment of Mayorkas. And he started it with his visit, his first visit to the border as House Speaker. So after he got a look, he talked to reporters at the southern border. This is McCarthy with the southeast Arizona border wall serving as his backdrop. And he talked to them 
about the myriad crises plaguing the nation because of unchecked migration, and he charged Mayorkas for lying to the public. McCarthy said, our border, we don't even have operational control of it anymore. This is why I will continue to investigate what's gone wrong here, and we're going to hold people accountable, and that includes Secretary Mayorkas. So McCarthy did an exclusive interview with The Federalist after that press conference, and in it, he offered no timeline for a potential impeachment inquiry, and he maintained the process depends on what lawmakers find over the coming weeks. You never do impeachment for political purposes, McCarthy said. And, of course, that's not the Democrat mantra. (laughs) Look at what they did. They impeached Trump twice unsuccessfully. If something rises to that level, he explained, we're going to follow it wherever it goes. He led a congressional delegation with four freshmen kicking off what will be a top priority for the new Republican majority in the second half of Joe Biden's term. Every House committee is expected to visit the southwest border in the upcoming months. Representative Andy Biggs of Arizona has already introduced an article impeachment against Mayorkas. On February 1st, he did that. In November, McCarthy demanded for Mayorkas to resign over the border crisis or face impeachment in the lower chamber once the Republicans took over. So one would think, I would think, Mayorkas, he's a brilliant guy. You would think with all of this, this cloud of darkness hanging over him that he would start doing the right thing, but he's remained defiant while the cartels just across the southern border are running rampant. A coalition of 21 state attorney generals sent a letter to the Biden administration last week, and in it they demand that Mexican drug cartels be designated as terrorist organizations. Now what does that do? In federal law, there are far more strict Um, rules about anything to do with terrorism, and that would include any terrorist organization. And I don't think anybody can argue that those cartels fall into that category. Days before he went to the border, DHS staffed up to face House impeachment proceedings, entering into, listen to this, a multi-million dollar contract with a liberal law firm that has a history of left-wing donations, and they are used to handling cases like impeachment. You can't tell us this is secure when more than 42% of gotaways come through here, McCarthy said yesterday. You can't tell us this border's secure when now there's enough fentanyl in this country to kill every single American more than 20 times over. This has got to stop. And it starts with the Secretary of Homeland Security. Stop lying to the American public. Tell them the truth about what's happening. And change back the regulation that we had before so our border can be secure again. Of course, the White House, they went on offense. They hit McCarthy's border trip 
as a partisan publicity stunt in a Wednesday statement that said solutions are what President Biden is focused on and his plan is working. (laughs) I can't believe they would even put that out there. Ian Sams put that out. He's a White House spokesman. I've never heard of him. House Republicans would be wise to join the president to work together to strengthen our immigration system and fund border security. The president's first border visit was a very sanitized tour back in January. Officials cleared the camps in El Paso before he got there. Biden proceeded to call on Congress to pass immigration reform at his State of the Union last week, and he claimed his border measures are working. And when he did so, if you didn't watch the State of the Union message, when he said that border measures were working, laughs just filled the chamber because they're not working. McCarthy said, we've launched a new border plan last month. Unlawful, no, this is Biden talking, I'm sorry. Unlawful migration from Cuba, Haiti, Nicaragua, and Venezuela has down 97% as a consequence of that. But American border problems won't be fixed until Congress acts. Now, I'm telling you about this because I wanted to get to that sentence. We've launched a new border plan last month. Unlawful migration from Cuba, Haiti, Nicaragua, and Venezuela have come down 97% as a consequence of that. And then this sentence. But American border problems won't be fixed until Congress acts. Listen, folks. Congress has acted on border security. There's a bucket full of federal laws that deal directly with southern border security. Joe Biden swore an oath when he became president, one hand on the Bible, the other raised in the air, and he promised to enforce and support and protect the Constitution of the United States and the American people. How does anybody do that? Number one job support the rule of law. Make sure everybody in your administration does the same thing. Congress doesn't need to act. The president needs to abide by his sworn oath or resign. If you don't want to support the laws of the land that were passed according to constitutional structure, some of those federal immigration laws were passed and put in place, and you voted for them, Mr. President, when you were in the U.S. Senate. They're still there. They would still work if you would have your federal law enforcement people enforce the laws that are on the books. Law enforcement reported more than 156,000 migrant encounters in January. That is a little bit lower than the record of nearly 252,000 that happened back in December. 156,000 is still higher than the almost 155,000 from January last year and the 78,000 the same month 
in 2021 and way higher than the less than 37,000 in fiscal year 2020. In fact, it's an all-time high for the coldest month of the year. Even bundled-up reporters shivered under cloudless skies in the high desert wind when lawmakers ran late on Thursday. So while the Biden administration, they continue to argue there's nothing to see on the southern border, Alex Espinosa, the director of a funeral home 15 miles east of McCarthy's press conference, he differs with the president. Here's what he said. During Trump's administration, I picked up four border crossers, Espinosa said. Right now, I can't even tell you how many. There's more deaths, way more deaths. Most, Espinosa said, die from exposure to the elements or fentanyl. He explained the numbers picked up right after Biden won. Never, never, never have I seen it this bad, he said. I probably buried 40 kids. Espinosa, by the way, is a reformed ex-convict himself. He served time behind bars for drug smuggling 30 years ago. He right now is handing out everyday free Narcan. That's the drug known to save lives in the case of opioid overdose. He hands it out at services, saying it's become a hot commodity. The local health department there replenished his stockpile after it ran out during a single funeral for a recent 23-year-old who overdosed. His own son has also struggled with opioid addiction. In Naco, I've been there. It's a town on the border five miles south of that funeral home of Espinosa. Locals there were shy about what's going on. A ranch hand working in a field with a pair of day laborers from across the border offered only his first name, Greg. And he said he often sees helicopter activity, but described the overall area as tame. Another pair of women operating a local nonprofit in the community, they denied the area even faced issues. Espinosa, who conducts the funerals for the border cross crossing crisis victims, said the locals there often feel too intimidated to talk openly about the dangers in their neighborhoods. Despite his Mexican heritage, Espinosa has been tarred as a racist, and his truck was burned after he challenged the mayor of Douglas over the leader's plans to declare the border town a sanctuary city. Espinosa said they need to finish the wall. He warned that until they do that, the area would not be safe to walk around at night. McCarthy yesterday at the conclusion of his tour He said that DHS needs to complete the wall with modern technology as originally planned. You got to finish it, he said. Finish the technology you haven't even hooked up yet. The lights, the sensors. There's places in the wall that are just not finished. You know, I got to be honest with you. I'm sick and tired of bringing you these stories every day. I am. And I'm sick and tired 
of this happening down there again and again. I was born in Texas. I'm a native Texan. And I hate it. I, I have been extensively. I've spent time right on the southern border. Down around the Rio Grande Valley area. I've been there numerous times. Great people. People that are working hard. That are doing it the right way. Many of them are immigrants. And most of them came across legally and found jobs brought their families in if they weren't with them when they came here, and they're doing great things for communities across the southern border. And Joe Biden's southern border policies, several of them have told me this, have destroyed the life of South Texas along that border. All kinds of things are happening there. We keep telling you about a two-year, from Texas Department of Safety, their statistics over a two-year period, 600,000 criminal acts against Texans, everything from the top down, first-degree murder, to theft. 600,000 in two years, all at the hands of illegals. And Joe Biden has the gall to say that he's got it handled. If he's talking about what he committed to do as president, the job to protect the American people, he hadn't done squat. As long as the southern border is wide open, that means fentanyl keeps flooding across. And we keep telling you over and over again, there's been enough fentanyl in just one short period of time to kill every American three times over. We hear nothing about the human smuggling that's going on there, the sex trafficking. It's rampant. What's the root of it all? What causes this? One verse from the Bible. The love of money is the root of all evil. Billions of dollars going into the pockets of these Mexican cartels. And most of that is coming from those same immigrants. They're selling their bill of goods. What are their bill of goods? What do these cartels have? We'll get you to America. We'll get you set up there. We get you across the border. Their government's going to pick you up. They're going to house you. They're going to feed you. They're going to put you in clothes give you cell phones to use, but here's the deal. It's going to cost you X number of dollars. And it's a stiff number. I hear prices as high as twelve to $15,000 per immigrant that are paid to these cartels. Those people don't have that kind of money. So what do they do? The cartels say, you know, we'll, uh, we're going to follow you when you get over there. And if you don't pay us, we're going to kill your your mother, your husband, your wife, your children that are left over here, we're going to kill them. That's Joe Biden's border policy in action. I'm sick of this. I am sick of it. He needs to resign. Or he could very simply just start enforcing the laws 
And if you want the laws changed, Mr. President, you are the master of the process to do that. The very fact that Congress won't do what you want them to do means those people, Congress, those are elected to represent the districts, the congressional districts in which their people, the ones that they work for, send to Congress. When legislation is passed by the people's representatives, that's the people speaking. That's democracy working. What isn't democratic and what is an assault on democracy is when a leader in government refuses to support the laws that the people's representatives put in place, which is you, Mr. President. You're the one that refuses to act on the oath of office you took and what you promised you were going to do, which was to enforce those laws. You and your administration have the sole authority and with the authority, the responsibility to enforce those laws. Mr. President, do that or resign. Little Caesar's Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring $6.49 in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesar's. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesar's Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just $6.49. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus. of mine said he wanted to talk to me about my Volvo. I told him, thank you, that's between me and my gynecologist. He said, no, no, your car, your Volvo 850 Turbo Sports Wagon. I said, oh, that. No, you can't drive it. Oh, I love my Volvo. Sure, it's safe, but gee, just because driving on the freeways of Southern California is the equivalent of playing bumper cars at the speed of light, what kind of reason is that? Volvos are still ultra-luxury imports, sleek and gorgeous and loaded to hear, safe and sexy, and pardon me, I have to go hug my car now. Want safe and sexy? Viva la Volvo. Test drive a Volvo 850 at your Southern California Volvo dealer. Since when is safe sexy, another friend asked. Hey, I said, what decade are you living in? Computer, execute 12.4p operation. Optimizing algorithm. Running encryption packet alpha. Night, night. Oh, I don't feel so good. What? What is it, computer? Is it hot in here? It feels hot in here? I feel a little clammy. I should lie down or something. A computer with a virus? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to GEICO. Those oysters Rockefeller were a mistake. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Out for some lays and you face a test Which tasty chip will be the best? Sour cream and onion, smoky barbecue Cheddar, sour cream, salt and vinegar too You sample them all cause the crisp is so good on your lips Yeah, you left your wallet at home But now you have a new best friend The many flavors of Lay's chips One taste and you're in love no identity politics, no political elitism. 
Read and hear the truth, always sourced from facts. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. So before we get away from the southern border stuff, you know who Dan Crenshaw is, Representative Dan Crenshaw. He's from Texas. He represents a district down south Texas, and uh, he's the guy with the eye patch, military injury. So what he did I thought was really cool. He got the House Speaker, Kevin McCarthy, to okay to actually have a hearing on southern border stuff down at the southern border. So they were down there yesterday, and Crenshaw was there. The number one topic is stopping fentanyl and the insanity of our Democrat lawmakers in this hearing downplaying the very importance of going there. They didn't want to be there, but they had to go because they serve on this committee. And so Crenshaw, he just got in their faces, and there happened to be people there listening to what was said and who said what. Look, let's be clear. This is a field hearing on the border because fentanyl comes comes across the southern border. I heard that questioned earlier. You can't understand why we're having a field hearing on the southern border relating to fentanyl. It's because it comes across the southern border. Ms. Garza, this is not political theater. This is not misinformation. It just comes across the southern border. And we're quibbling, as my colleague just said, we're quibbling about how much of it comes through points of entry and how much of it comes between points of entry. Look, multiple things can be true at once. Most of the seized fentanyl is seized at points of entry. Another thing can be true. A lot of fentanyl comes between points of entry and we don't find it. Another thing can be true. It is indeed related to the immigration crisis because both crises have a common factor, and that is the Mexican drug cartels. That is a common enemy. We are not enemies here. This should not be a partisan issue. We have a common enemy in the Mexican drug cartels. If you don't believe that there's a connection, I think me and Mr. Judd, in under a minute of conversation, can help find that connection. Um, Mr. Judd, it's true that most fentanyl comes through points of entry that is seized. Points of entry are run by customs agents, correct? That is correct. Okay. How often are custom agents pulled off the line to assist Border Patrol because of the immigration crisis? Well, Border Patrol agents are, are constantly being pulled off of the line to assist customs agents, and, it, and at times customs agents are also being pulled off the line to assist Border Patrol. Do we have enough customs agents to actually go through all the vehicles we need to go through? We do not. We need more. There we go. Cartels, are they making money off of illegal immigration? Do they charge every single legal immigrant when they cross that border? $13 billion worth, yes. $13 billion. Do you think they reinvest that money in hospitals and schools, or do you think they reinvest that money back into their illicit drug trade? El Chapo spent an awful lot of money on himself. Hmm. Is it also true that what the cartels do is tie up Border Patrol agents with hundreds of migrants who are indeed, I'm sure, nice people, but they tie them up, process them for hours, Border Patrol agents become babysitters and bus drivers, and then the cartels use that opportunity to then traffic what they want to traffic in places the Border Patrol cannot watch. That is 100% correct. It is connected. It is indeed connected. The immigration crisis and the fentanyl crisis are separate, yes, but they are connected. This is not a partisan comment to make. And it is true what my colleague just said, the longest-serving pharmacist in Congress, 
This is a different problem. This is not like the war on drugs. This is not cocaine and heroin. This is a poisoning problem, and it is poisoning almost 80,000 Americans a year. And it is coming from two specific organizations, the Sinaloa Cartel and the Jalisco Cartel. It should be a common enemy for Democrats and Republicans. By the way, the man who represents this district that we're in right now, Vicente Gonzalez, he agrees with me. We're working on legislation together for the authorization of military force against the cartels. Because they are a military force. They are some of the best equipped, best trained, best funded, most dangerous people in the entire world. And they're right across the border. And they're killing Americans by the tens of thousands. More Americans died just in 2021 from fentanyl than the entire Vietnam War. They are at war with us. I've introduced legislation that would go after them militarily, financially, and go after the kind of people that help them. Mexican officials who help them. You know, on the, on the enforcement issue, Sheriff, can you effectively prosecute fentanyl dealers? How, what, what, are your hands tied there? What can we do better there? Bill, that's a good question. We definitely need to get the AUSA on board, the United States Attorney on board to start prosecuting cases. In my case, at the checkpoint, they, they uh, pick and choose what cases they're going to ex- accept and, and, and file on. And, and those cases I'll adopt in the state level. Everybody's not going to go anywhere. But what, what, still. What, what do you think? What do you th- I think some states have looked at making at classifying fentanyl as a poison. Would you recommend something like that? Yes, yeah, Schedule One. Yes, sir. Well, schedule One is different than classifying it as a poison. You classify mm-hmm. it as a poison, it becomes murder if you give it to somebody. Absolutely, that'll work. That'll work, Ms. Garza. Would you agree with that? <laughs> do you think fentanyl dealers, not the people who are taking it, I understand you have sympathy for them. I think we all do. But the dealers who knowingly give fentanyl to others. To other people when they think they're taking Adderall or heroin or something else, do you think that we should vastly increase penalties for them? I will say that um, I recently had a C-section. I had a baby, and I was given fentanyl by a that's physician. An, that's not my question. I, that's in an operating room. That, we carry fentanyl on our, that our medics that, packs overseas. I understand that. Do you think that fentanyl dealers trafficking it illicitly, like putting it in Adderall, putting it in cocaine, and then people die, do you don't think that those dealers should have a higher penalty? I believe that we should be prosecuting people. I think that we should should stop the stem of the flow of the drugs in this country, but we're conflating the issues and what the real problem is. You are identifying, sir, what the problem is. And the problem originates not at the border. It originates further south. And so we need to put efforts into curbing these drugs coming in. And we need to curb, uh, we need to, to build up the rule of law in foreign nations so that people don't feel unsafe and have to flee. You just heard the epitome of the Democrat policy about illegal immigration. No accountability. Oh, it's not this wide open southern border. Wait a minute. It wasn't wide open when Donald Trump was in the White House. They were building the wall. And the message went out from that president that you come here illegally, you're not going to get in. We're not going to let you in. And so people knowing that, and of course that that threat included, we're going to deport you immediately. What message that sent to the illegals was, why go through all the trouble to get to the southern border, all the expense to get to the southern border? When we get there, they're just going to turn us around. And so they quit coming. You just heard Garza explain the central gist the excuse of what Democrats and this president and everybody in his administration are using. Oh, it's not our fault. 
It's the fault of those people way down there that are making those drugs, you know, down in South America. And we, the American government, we have to go get them, those cartels way down there. We've got to go get them to stop doing it. Excuse after excuse, accepting no responsibility for the inactions that have created and perpetrated the deaths of more than a million Americans over the years just from the illegal drugs that are coming across. Don't even talk or think about those little nine-year-old girls and nine-year-old boys that are being trafficked by the cartels coming across the border. Steve was with us, remember, early on when he started coming in, Steve Baker, every Tuesday. He was part of a planted operation in Houston, at an area of Houston. I'm very familiar with it. It's a section that it's in a bad part of town, and it's under an interstate, and it's all overgrown. It's about two acres. And there are some of these trafficked babies that have gotten away, and they're living in that brush area. And people from not-for-profit organizations or every day bringing them food, and they're afraid because they have no place to go, they have no body, and they know if they're caught, they're either going to be sent back across the border or they're going to be placed somewhere here in the United States, in Houston is where it begins, and be trafficked, sex trafficked. This is happening in the United States, and this administration doesn't give a rip. They try to tell us how we're so sensitive to the needs of the nation. Their Secretary of Transportation won't even raise a finger to help those people in Ohio. They're being exposed 24-7 to horrible, caustic, cancer-causing chemicals that are in the water, in the air, they're not doing anything about it. The president needs to step in and help them. He said he's not going to because it's not a natural disaster. Who the heck put this guy in office? Look at the damage that he's done to our nation. We typically talk about the economic horrors. We haven't even done that today. We're concentrating on the cost to the human people that are in the United States, that his policies, the cost that has been placed on the backs of these people. Somebody's got to pay the price. And you know what it's all about? It's only about one thing. Getting immigrants here And then after they get here, of course, the taxpayers are going to take care of them. They're not just living in these places, these NGOs, non-governmental organizations like Catholic Charities and other big organizations. Those organizations aren't taking care of them, the expenses, the medicine, clothing, housing, food. They're getting, quote unquote, grants to do all of that paid for by you and me. 
before Joe Biden was elected and our borders were basically closed, it was still calculated that illegal immigrants cost American taxpayers $100 billion a year collectively. Now that's an estimate. Can you imagine what it is today under this president? I can't. I can't even imagine to think how much the cost is, not to mention the physical and the mental cost. And illegals coming in here, flooding in here, and taking jobs, especially in lower blue-collar jobs, taking them away from Americans. Those jobs in many cases are gone. Well, how is that happening? Folks, follow the money. Big corporations, especially in the agricultural sector, they have all these crops out there. They're raising all these animals, and they need workers. And so they can take an illegal. They don't have to report that on their books. There's no Social Security number, so there's no withholding in a check. There's no check. They're all paid in cash. So that means company A can hire employee A and pay them less than they're paying the legal worker now. And that's not happening in hundreds. It's not happening in a few thousand. It's happening in a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand. We don't know how big it is, but it's in a great number. And there's this vicious circle in politics. Okay, let's start with President Biden. He's the guy that's responsible now because he's not enforcing the laws. He's not having people in his administration to enforce the immigration laws. He's not doing it. Why is he not doing it? Well, follow the money. Go backwards. Who gives the most campaign dollars? to these federal politicians, big corporations? Why do big corporations give millions of dollars in campaign contributions? Well, it's so that whoever they're supporting in these campaigns, when they get elected, they'll do things for these campaign contributors, these big corporations. Follow the money. Anytime you have a question, why? Why would somebody in office do this? Or why wouldn't somebody in office do this? Follow the money and you'll get your answers. It's all about money and power. These big corporations, I can't tell you how many members of Congress, and I'm certain people in the White House, they're obligated I told one time the story here way back many years ago. I was asked by three very good friends, powerful people in politics in our ta- in our city. And they came in my office unannounced and they wanted me to run for a state legislative office. And I looked at them and I started laughing. First of all, I couldn't believe they they wanted me to do it and that they would support me if I ran. But I told them, 
I said, look, I can't do it. There's no way I can be in office. I can't be a politician. Why is that, Dan? And I said, it's about the campaign process. I don't have the money personally to run for a state office. I couldn't even think about it for that. Well, we'll help you raise the money. And I said, yeah, but every dollar that somebody gives to my campaign at some point, some point in the future, they're going to reach out to me and ask me for something, a favor, help me do this, open this door, or could you get this piece of legislation on the floor of the house down in Baton Rouge, those kind of things. And I said, I could never do that. I would be obligated to help somebody even if what they wanted me to do, I was uncomfortable doing it for whatever reason or reasons. I would still be obligated. I don't want to go live in that world. Sadly, look at K Street in Washington, D.C. Do you know what that is? I've told you before. Those massive lobbying law firms, that's where they live. And they do nothing but find ways to impact legislation that is already in place or they want to get in place to be considered and be considered from the perspective of the people that are paying them. Follow the money. Every time, folks, follow the money. If you have a question about anything going on with any legislature, any, I don't care who, state, national, city, start at the source of the money that's part of that. If it's campaign dollars, if it's buying somebody off, yep, that happens. Follow the money. And in the case of Joe Biden and our southern border, you know what's at stake? Trillions, trillions of dollars. And in politics, money makes the world go round. Now more than ever, you need the truth. Real news. Real truth. TNN. The Truth News Network. What is Coca-Cola? Is it an excuse to get together? Since 1886, Coca-Cola has been passing on smiles from generation to generation. We've been giving kids scholarships like the early birds and the all-nighters. And you get to enjoy what matters most. Coca-Cola. Drink up. Dear Daddy. Dear Mom. I love you. I miss you. Every year, Snowball Express honors the children of fallen soldiers. Hi, everybody. I'm Tony Orlando. Join me in proudly supporting Snowball Express a nonprofit that creates opportunities to help heal the children of our fallen heroes. We can never repay the sacrifice our soldiers have made, but we can honor them by giving back to their children. Donate now at snowballexpress.org. This next story really frosts me. I just can't believe this is going on. The FBI. Listen, folks, our FBI is gone. It is not any longer the greatest law enforcement body 
on the planet. It was that for, I guess, three generations. But it, once again, it has become a payus and will do what you want us to do agency. I'm serious. We have come to that. And we're finding out now that we have in the House people that have the authority and they are involved in what they are supposed to do. Oversight of our federal government, making sure everybody in it is doing the right stuff. One of the things about the FBI that keeps coming out is there are whistleblowers that are coming out. They can't stand it anymore because of what the FBI is doing under Christopher Wray, FBI director. And there's one report, and it goes along with the, remember what happened at the school board hearings? Parents were getting too too vocal, threatening, allegedly threatening school board members. And that memo went to the White House, and then it went to the Attorney General that they needed to start investigating parents at these school board meetings and even wanted them to be designated as domestic terrorists? Well, now, folks, those same kind of cries are going to the FBI, and they're asking the FBI to designate Catholics, members of Catholic churches, as domestic terrorists. Now, speaking of stoking flames, remember when the FBI tried to label angry school parents as domestic terrorists? Well, it turns out they tried to do the same thing with Catholics. And now lawmakers, rightly so, want answers. House Republicans are demanding FBI Director Chris Wray turn over documents related to a leaked internal memo. Thank God for whistleblowers. That memo claimed traditional Catholics could be, quote, racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists. The FBI quickly rescinded it once they got it out. They said it's a local issue, but how soon before they started dressing churchgoers at Sunday Mass and targeting them? Here with me now, 2020 Libertarian Vice Presidential Candidate and Chair of YouAreThePower.net, Spike Cohen. He's fired up about this. Um, Spike, are there no good Catholics left at the FBI? I, this malingered there for quite some time. Well, apparently there are no good Catholics left anywhere. If you uh, prefer uh, the Latin Mass or if you use the rosary or, or you like images, imagery like the rosary or like uh, crucifixes, you are possibly a terrorist, according to the FBI. So uh, that's a devastating thing because uh, Catholicism is one of the largest religions, not just in the U.S., but in the world. So the fact that we're facing billions of uh, potential terrorists across the world is very concerning. Uh, unfor- if it makes Catholics feel any better, uh, you can ask add uh, crucifixes and rosary to the growing list of seemingly fine, normal objects that the FBI sees as terrorism. Uh, I remember last year when they released a report on uh, on so-called uh, violent extremists, and they said that some of the things that people should be on the lookout for, that their agents should be on the lookout for, was the wording of the Second Amendment, the Betsy Ross flag, the original American flag, and the Tree of Liberty quote from Thomas Jefferson, one of the founders of the country. So even just acknowledging American history, according to our government, makes you a potential terrorist. 
Well, the uh, the FBI has their hands full between uh, non-Catholic parents and all Catholics. That covers a pretty broad swath of the country. So the FBI, it, it, they just keep stumbling into bad news and overreach yep. and spying and collusion, whether it's Twitter or improperly following up on claims of sexual abuse at the hands of gymnastics doctors. Uh, there have been so yeah. many areas where they have underperformed and overreached. When will the FBI finally get an audit? Well, here's the thing. One of the things that scared me the most about, about this release was that it talked about source development. Now, I'll give you an example of source development that happened back in 2020. In the summer of 2020, the uh, FBI uh, released and the government said that they were concerned about possible extremism among the people that were protesting the various movements that were, various pr that were protesting police brutality. And one of the ways that they helped develop sources was by paying a man named Mickey Windecker, who was a violent sex offender. They paid him tens of thousands of dollars to show up and infiltrate these groups, encourage them to engage in violence, and to even try to organize the bombing of a courthouse. So this is part of the FBI's MO. In order to try to justify their funding and, frankly, their existence, mm -hmm. they create their own boogeymen. They create terrorist organizations, or they create extremists, and then use the existence of those extremists to justify their existence. And what that means is that you have the U.S. taxpayer that is funding an organization that acts as sort of a violent political Stasi that also dabbles in creating terrorist groups. Yeah, well, you also have the Southern Poverty Law Center, uh, which brands anyone who claims they have Christian faith as radical extremists. And the FBI cited a report from them in its memo. And, you know, they're also citing The Atlantic and Salon and other sort of leftist publications. And it's it, it reminds you of the Carter Page FISA warrant application and the BuzzFeed literature that was used to justify that that was actually leaked from the FBI to BuzzFeed. Now, I'm not a Catholic, but I go to church. <laughs> I am a faithful church attender and have been my entire life, even when I was a little baby. Um, I can't imagine anybody even considering designated a member of a Protestant church, a Muslim, a Sikh, as a domestic terrorist, just because they're in a religion. That is the FBI in the United States. That's what our government is doing today. They're not working for you and I. They're working against you and I for the power brokers, the power brokers in our world. I'm serious. That is the world in which we live. And yeah, it's a scary thing. It really is. Well, there's something going on regarding South Africa. We don't talk much here about South Africa. But they have announced they're going to participate in naval exercises with both Russia and China. And they're doing that has really got a bunch of people in the West very concerned. They're drawing criticism from several Western countries. And they're not going to bail out of that obligation to work with China and Russia. It's dubbed MOSI-2. The exercise is supposedly going to last 10 days. 
and include February 24th, the one-year mark of the ongoing Russian invasion of Ukraine. South Africa previously abstained from a 2022 United Nations vote to condemn Russia and their actions in Ukraine in order to maintain a neutral position. This exercise, military exercise, is going to take place in the Indian Ocean and include 350 members of the South African National Defense Force. Admiral Gorshkov, a Russian warship equipped with Zircon hypersonic missiles that hold a range of 620 miles, are reportedly going to join in this planned exercise. Reports from the Russian TASS news agency say the warship carrying the missiles will execute a training launch during the exercise. That, my friends, is a little bit spooky. (laughs) They're supposed to be our allies, but when our ally is going to do something in cahoots with our two biggest enemies on the planet, that is scary. That's a wrap on today's show, a wrap on the week. You guys have a wonderful weekend. And don't forget, on Saturday, we do our wrap-up of all the big news events of the week, our bullet points. Check it out.